0: Real Estate Coaching Radio. I know some of you guys are uh, looking for information on the Mastermind. We have sent the email out. The subject line you need to go search in your email is Harris Rules Mastermind event, um, and that's going to start this Friday. So you do need to uh, give us your contact information so that we can email you the information about the actual event. Um, and uh, yeah, so there it is. So look for the email, search your email, It might go to spam, it might go to bulk, it might go to wherever. Harris Rules Mastermind event. Do a search there, and we're also going to repost the email that we sent on the main website timandjulieharris.com, and you guys can grab the information there as well. So Miss Julie Harris, congratulations! Yes. Harris Rules uh, is now number four in all of nonfiction on Amazon. Not oh, just real estate, well. not just mindset, not okay. just coaching, not just training. But all nine nonfiction Kindle uh, books, Harris Rules is now number four. And I don't know if if you want to really freak yourself out, go look to see who we're ahead Mm of. We're ahead of some of the biggest name authors in the world, (laughs) you know, so anyway, okay. moving on, Amazing. that's kind of overwhelming. So guys, listen, the Mastermind is just for those of you who have given, uh, I'm sorry, who have uh, read the book, rather purchased the book on Amazon, just get the Kindle version and uh, given us a, a review. We certainly have appreciated it. So we are going to pick up where we left off yesterday, and it is a great topic based on all the emails I've been getting. I really like these emails I get from people that are like short and to the point where they're like, hey, man, thanks, this hit it on the nail, nail on the head with uh, for me. Is this is really something I needed to hear, and they'll cite some specific thing for the podcast. I love that feedback because it tells me you guys are listening. So mental tricks rich people use to make more money. Um, And Julie, I want to give every, um, I know you have some shout outs and I have one I have to find in my email. So if you could just jump right in, that would be cool.
1: Well, I I just wanted to give kind of a general shout out to all of our continuously affected, some more than others, hurricane victims between uh, all the hurricanes between Texas and Florida. I've been speaking with clients all day, and I would say a special request, if you guys connect with each other on the private Facebook page, if you're members, um, some of you still need a place to be living, so if you've got a vacant vacation rental or uh, something of that nature that is fully functional, reach out to each other, because there's a lot of movement going on, and I also have to commend our great coaching clients and our podcast listeners who are in those areas for first, of course, putting on their own oxygen mask, making sure their own uh, self and families are taken care of, but then doing a lot of uh, outreach to their active clients, their listings, checking on them, You know the prospects they've been working with, and certainly their past clients. You guys are doing such a great job posting disaster relief information on your Facebook pages and connecting all the dots. It's so critical. I know you guys don't always see it right now when you're in the thick of it, but Tim, you shared a story with your client, I think in Big Bear or Mammoth or someplace where they had fires, and he did a lot of this outreach and is now, if not the number one agent in his market, certainly up there. It does matter when you guys do your outreach, so keep up the good work. And let's see, uh, several uh, PLPs have been posted recently. That's my tongue twister of the hour. And you guys are doing a great job on that as well. So just a general shout out and let everybody know that we are paying attention. And then of course, an extra special thank you to all of the great reviews on Amazon. Back to you, Tom.
0: Yeah. So guys, look, um, this is the time of year, and I'm going to say this probably every other day for the rest of the year. And I want you guys to never forget what I'm saying because it's so critically important. It's one of the I think the truthfully it's one of the closely most closely guarded secrets of any top producer um, you know, it's funny you here's a homework assignment it's a, a homework assignment that's for really October fifteenth. I want you to go and just drive around, go do a little driving tour of all the real estate brokerages in your community, say middle of next month, end of next month. And I want you to count how many cars are in the dry, in the parking lot. I want you to actually look to see how many of them are actually working. And you're going to be stunned and amazed. Now, some markets, the agents start going into hibernation mode in November. But for the most part, it's right around Halloween. Don't know why it happens. Don't know where it says that you know where you know, agents are supposed to go in hibernation around Halloween. But it happens every single year. Uh, you have to fight against the the. You know, don't do it. Don't be the lemming that's going to jump off the cliff just to basically, you know, your splat, you know, the lemming splat is the bottom of the cliff, but your splat is basically rolling into next year and having a crappy start to the year because you didn't work in fourth quarter. And look, be very clear. Working is not working, on your, uh, working in your business. I want you to work generating leads. I want you to be focusing on helping customers, taking listings. Don't rationalize. And again, I read this. I see this. I hear this. A lot of you guys say, oh, dude, I've got so many projects that I wanted to basically get done. I'm just going to do them all in fourth quarter when the business is slower. And, you know, I'm not going to really focus on, you know, generating business. No, absolutely wrong move. Guys, this is the best time of year to go after business because so many other agents are going into lazy mode. Call it hibernation mode. Call it really what it is, lazy mode. So if you work. This time of year, and you carry momentum into next year, you'll have your best year ever. Those of you who are listening, who are long-time coaching clients, you know that I speak the truth. So when you're doing your little drive tour and you're driving around and you're counting the cars in the parking lots of all the real estate brokerages, I want you to next realize whose cars those are. They're all the top producers. That's how it works. That's really one of the key fundamental important things of, of essentially being successful in this industry is do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Oh, sounds familiar, right? But do it now. Do it fourth quarter. Do it when everyone else is basically being lazy and take advantage of their apathy. It's such an easier time to generate business. Those of you who are new, who are getting your licenses and say, look, you know, Mr. Harris, I'm just going to hold off till first quarter of 2018. Wrong. If you do it then, if you decide to dial up your energies again then, you're just going to be putting yourself in a situation where you're having to compete against all the other agents who are coming out of their hibernation holes (laughs) in the spring looking for their berries and fruit, right? Like all the bears. So you've got to be thinking in terms – it's funny, Julie. I just realized my analogies are – uh, in my head that are floating around are more like children's books because <laughs> of, of Zoe's book <laughs> that we influenced. read to her. I just, I just We're going bear hunting. I know, that was the
1: really. I favorite. know,
0: that funny? Yeah. Five years ago, I don't think they would have been so, our analogies would have been no. so uh, uh, PC, I think, not. or child-friendly. Anyway, so you guys get the point. Uh, that's what this mastermind is all about. For those of you who bought the book and left us a you know, a, a review ideally, you know, don't leave us a fake one, leave us a good one, read the book, like it, love it, give us a five-star review if you think it, if it earned it, I really appreciate it. But that's what this mastermind's about. We are going to help you guys do our best for all of you who are in the mastermind to really stay focused for the rest of this year the, it's a 90-day mastermind. So, that, you know, look, we want you to take some time off around Christmas, not too much, but we want you to really start realizing that your 2018 has already started. So that's the mindset. So never, ever forget that. If, there, if you guys have been listening to us for three years, every day for three years, we've done thousands of shows, we have 100,000 regular listens, and all of that's true. If there's, ever, if there's one thing that I want you to remember, it's just that. Make sure that you're drilling down this time of year. So, Julie, let's pick up where we left off yesterday. Yes.
1: And I believe we're on point number five, we are talking about mental tricks that rich people use to make more money now. And if you missed the first four points, get into the call replays uh, from yesterday. So point number five, they are consciously seeking new and improved exposure to success, art auctions, museum events, charity functions, things they're curious about, Don't just focus on people who are successful in real estate. Think more like Napoleon Hill did and actually study success. Get out of your natural comfort zone. For example, preview homes that are two or three times the price of your average personal sale price. Tim, I know you've noticed this too. It seems like agents get uncomfortable in the price range that's just over what they're living in, generally speaking. That's when they start to freak out and feel like they don't know the market, they're fish out of the water, this is a little high end, maybe I should partner, co list, or refer it out. So get success going up and down that scale, and it's a great way to meet new, interesting people, get yourself out there. And one of the things, Tim, that you and I like to do is go to these interesting auctions and learn more about different things that, um, you know, historic things, art auctions you like car auctions it's just interesting to get out of your own little bubble now and then and this is one of the things that wealthy people do on purpose they don't just stay in their own little micro world anything you want to add to that
0: well you and i were talking about this very thing the other day i mean julie and i come from very humble beginnings julie's parents were school teachers and you know my parent no, we didn't come from money we didn't come from anything that would have led you to believe that we'd be where we are today and julie and i were trying to, we're introspective but not to the point of being narcissistic. We're just trying to understand, because we don't think we're special, not really, but we do get a lot done, and we always have, and we're trying to understand what it is about us and at what point in our lives did we feel it was okay for us to pivot away from the uh, the, the programming that we were certainly uh, given as kids, where you're supposed to, you know, Julie was supposed to be a school teacher, You know, I was supposed to be something else, right? But we didn't. We decided to go on our own path, and we realized that the number one thing that allowed us to, well, give us permission to sort of break outside of the uh, the coding that we were given uh, for, as kids was exposure, and that's what Julie's really talking about. Exposure to, it doesn't always have to be just rich people. I mean, exposure to rich people is always fun, right? But when Julie and I were selling real estate and we were coming up, well, actually, before we sold real estate, we actually, um, this <laughs> we don't ever talk about this in the podcast, but so Julie and I, if you guys know, have been married 26 years this year. Well, you know, if you've been listening since last week, because that's when we had our anniversary. Actually, it was, yeah, last week, So um, on the 15th. So we have, uh, yeah, we've been married for a long time, but we actually met in high school. We were high school sweethearts. And when Julie and I were in college... We paid our way through college because we had a car cleaning and detailing business. It was called the Auto Spa. Okay, so there you go. Now the car cleaning and detailing business, Julie and I, we, no one gave it to us. We created it from the ground up. We, you know, it grew to be a six figures a year auto cleaning and detailing business. And this was in Columbus, Ohio, and this was back in the '90s. This was, you know, essentially a, a market. A, a, you know, Columbus, Ohio, you really only have six months of good weather and you have six months of crappy weather. So it wasn't a great business because when there's snow on the ground no one's gonna pay you money to have their car cleaned and detailed, right? So what we've quickly figured out is after, you know, a year or two of trying to just build it around Focusing on just the general audience of anyone who had a nice car wanted to have a detailed, we had a little epiphany. Let's start targeting people that have money, that are rich, because we figured well those people would have multiple cars. And so what Julie and I started doing, and this was literally when we were in high school, and then we started doing this in college, is we had these little flyers, and we put these, we go to these high-end restaurants. You know, this is when we are 19, 20, 21, you know, and 22, right in there. And we go to these restaurants at, on the weekends. Every Friday, Saturday night, Julie and I, we're not going out partying. We're not going to, you know, screw around at all. We are just basically going out and we are working. And so we would go to these high-end restaurants, and yes, there are not lots of high-end restaurants in Columbus <laughs> – And we would flyer cars. We'd take our little high-end flyers, and we'd put them on all the nice cars. Because we knew that the nice car owners probably had many nice cars, and we were right. And so after a little while, we started detailing cars for people that were wealthy, generationally wealthy. Columbus has a lot of folks that basically made their money back. Not just you know this generation, not first generation millionaires, but like third and fourth generation millionaires. They don't brag about it, but they live in these little enclaves like Bexley, parts of Upper Arlington. You know, so you'd we would get a, a call from somebody who had some nice Mercedes that they wanted us to detail, and we you know i would, i wouldn't know their name i didn 't come from that world, but then i 'd go out there and they 'd have this mansion with these gates and they 'd have ten cars and 'd be like okay that 's good and then we ha- we'd, get, we'd get these calls out from people who in the middle of the winter would have literally aircraft hangars that would have multiple jets in it and things like that We had this you know we obviously had a big a lot of guys that were working for us helping us you know run the business so we'd go out there and we'd knock it out and and that 's how we you know, that was a little window into really this a uh, fact that, A, rich people aren't jerks. They're actually incredibly generous. Uh, B, that uh, there is a whole different level to existing that's out there. And then, you know, obviously we worked with a lot of people that were first-generation wealthy too, entrepreneurs and business owners. And we always got along great with those guys because they saw – I hope they saw – that they that we, they were talking to somebody that might have their acts together because they would invest in us in terms of like getting to know us and talking to us. And, you know, when we got married, a lot of them came to our wedding and all that. This was the background of Tim and Julie before we got into real estate. We already had that work ethic. We were already focused in on uh, basically being of service. We certainly didn't have the ability to verbalize any of this. But that point, the the exposure point, is so critical. If you have only lived in your own little world, and by own little world you could have – these similar experiences like Julie and I did when we were in Columbus, Ohio. But if we just stayed in our middle-class world, it would have been fine and dandy, but we wouldn't have known about other ways of living and existing on this planet. We wouldn't have known about, hey, you know what, maybe it's better not to have to live in an environment where six months of the year the weather's nasty. We wouldn't have given ourselves permission to even consider alternative paths to follow. And that's the whole exposure thing. So if you don't have exposure – through those experiences like we are blessed to have. You can also have it by travel. You, I mean, I remember the first time Julie and I went out to Palm Springs, the first time we went to Southern California, the first time we went to Miami, the first time we went to Manhattan, the first time we flew to Europe, the first time we flew to England, British people don't consider themselves European, the first time we did all those types of things. That was all to basically take us out of our little world and put us in an environment where we're going to be surrounded by different realities, and that has left such an incredible impression that I think you guys can probably hear that when we talk. So start with books start with travel. Nowadays, look, you can hop on YouTube and you can watch great videos. The lack of exposure, not knowing what you don't know, is one of the greatest uh, inhibitors to ever setting really, uh, you know, Channelizing, enticing goals, because you just don't think large enough. So Julie mentioned go to some charity events, go to museums, go drive through nice neighborhoods. We used to do that when we got married. We'd literally drive to the we- nicest neighborhoods in Columbus on the weekends, and we would go out and we'd just walk the neighborhoods. We'd want to see how people lived. We wanted to experience what the you know all of that. That's what we want you guys to do as well. So your lack of exposure in some cases is one of the simplest things and the most profound things you can change. Um, to have an immediate f- impact on how you think about what you can actually do on this uh, while you're on this planet. Any, any other thoughts on that? I just went
1: way no. back
0: in time by over 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little time uh, trip. I don't even it. know where that came from, but still. It
1: was. And, you know, it's funny because I think when we were going through some of those early experiences, we wouldn't have said back then, hey, we're doing this to get better exposure. We wouldn't have kind of labeled no. it that way. We were doing it somewhat out of necessity with the detail business because we were paying for college and you know paying for you know our existence at the time, paying our rent and our house payment and what have you. Uh, but other things we did do on purpose. You know we, we wanted to go see Europe. But to your point, you don't have to, you know, just go jump on a plane and spend a bunch of money right now to get exposure. You can do it other ways by reading, going to your YouTube videos, by just getting out of your own neighborhood. I do think that this is a significant thing that holds some people back. And here's a little criteria. If you are currently the most successful person that you know, and you have the nicest house, car, outfits of everyone you know, you suffer from lack of exposure. You need to go find some people that make you feel like the small fish again and see how you feel then. And we're not trying to encourage you to go get into debt and blow a bunch of money. It's not about that. It's about opening your eyes to what is possible. And I do think we were really blessed to the detail business to see, you know, these were some really successful people, uh, small small and medium and large business owners, and, you know, what they did. And, and, And to your point also that rich people aren't jerks. By and large,
0: well, that I means by, by I mean just that 's worth that we can just drill down on that ever so slightly we, we mm-hmm. I grew up lower middle class marginally poor, Julie grew up middle class, you know she had financial security i didn 't. And I have to tell you that I always thought, Julie, not so much, because there they wasn't a real focus in her family, but I was certainly raised with this belief that basically, you know, it wasn't something we talked about, but it was certainly something that was ever present in our house, that rich people essentially aren't to be trusted. And I, you know, I look at my brother and my sister and they still believe that, which is ironic because their brother's rich. But the reality of it is, is I realized what an incredible burden that was to be carrying around and how really limiting that set of beliefs would have been had I not gotten rid of it. I see that in coaching clients. I see that in basically how people, just civilization, really. But nothing. It could be further from the truth. It's such a salacious lie. And we found the exact opposite. You know, maybe it was just rich people in Columbus, Ohio. But actually, I know that's not true. They are some of the most generous, caring people. It, it, not obviously. I'm making this statement. It sounds ridiculous. But it's our experience was that they would go, oh, beyond. I remember, Julie, I, I'll give you guys a true story. So Julie and I are in college. We're you know, cleaning this guy named Jack Rasilli, who Rosselli Construction is like a fourth generation, maybe fifth generation, incredibly successful, wonderful family located in Columbus, Ohio. They're big, huge commercial uh, uh, builders. So Jack had this huge uh, car collection, some of the most expensive cars in the world. I'm talking about Ferraris and just things like that. And this is back in the 90s, okay, so this is forever ago. <laughs> anyway, I remember Julie and I, were uh, we were in college. We were taking care of their cars, and we had uh, – co- college tuition was due. Now, we just showed up to do our normal rigmarole for Jack's cars. He didn't want anybody else coming over and taking care of his cars except Julie and I. So none of our guys should, could show up, so we always did them ourselves, which was fine because it was a pleasure. So this happened to be the time of year we were going to Ohio State when tuition was due. Now, this is a true story. Uh, his wife, Anne, shows up to pay us after we're done, and they owe us like maybe a hundred bucks, hundred twenty-five bucks. She reaches into her purse and grabs like I don't even know how much money in cash. It was over a thousand dollars. It was just like a wad, and just gives it to us. And I'm like, <laughs> I, uh, totally I, I didn't, that. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't stand there and count uh, it, you know. Oh, you know what you know? happened? You just, said
1: I, you said Jacks already paid us, and she said I know. Remember that? Yes,
0: exactly. Actually, actually Julie, you're remembering, you're remembering it wrong. So Jack comes home from work, driving his then-new 500SL, pulls in the driveway. We start on his car, and before he walks into the house, he does the exact same thing. And I said, uh, Mr. Rosselli, because we sure as hell didn't call him Jack. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was Mr. Rosselli. I said, Mr. Rosselli, Mrs. Rosselli has already paid us. And he looked at us, and he said, I know. And he just turned around and walked in. How about that? He didn't just pay our tuition for Ohio State for that yeah, quarter, but they basically may, yeah exactly. They basically took care of us for the next six months. They didn't have to do that. They didn't ask for anything special. They just did that, and we had so many experiences like that. Just more and more. I could tell you guys stories forever, but that in itself absolutely positively changed our mindset about really what it meant to be rich. We realize that when you're rich, you have a responsibility not just to leave breadcrumbs for other people to follow, but you have a responsibility to stop, and you have a responsibility to lean back and grab hold of whoever's there and help to pull them up. That's what you have a responsibility to do, not just when you're rich, but whenever you're being successful. That's the reason that the mindset of people who've generally accumulated a lot in their lifetimes Those people know what I just said. Now, they might not be able to verbalize it like I just did. Many of them won't because they don't spend time thinking about how to take information and coach other people to apply it. That's not how they think. They're just successful business owners. They're successful at what they do. But part of their success is that they have to help other people be successful as well. That is that mindset of service. That is an element of the mindset of service. So, you know, if you're battling in your mind at any level, and I know one of you or two of you or 100 of you are going to email me after the show and say, Tim, you hit the nail on the head. That's the reason we drill down on these things sometimes, because when we were evolving our thinking, these little things were so instrumental. And at the time, we didn't realize they were. It wasn't until years later that we realized where these strange experiences like the one I just told you were so uh, you know, significant in our lives because we could model our behavior after theirs. So if you believe in modeling, as many of you do, I just gave you a great example, you know, and so when, you, when we're thinking about what to talk with you guys about, like we're off script now, I'm hoping you guys, this is resonating with you. Make sure you let us know if we're on target or not, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. And also remember, guys, when you're formulating, when you're working, when you're trying to figure out what to do, do not be afraid to email successful people just cold, cold, cold emailing them and asking them for help. But make sure you don't do it in such a way that you're going to send them a long-ass email. Send them a short email with one question. and it better not. Be be a dumb question. Make it a question so you can show them that you're already on the path. And I promise you, 99% of the time, doesn't matter who it is, they're going to email you back because they know that that is part of the rules for when you basically are successful is help other people be successful. Next point, Julie.
1: Next point. Rich people don't give up or give in easily. They don't stop at the first no. They don't call it quits when they don't get immediate gratification. Here's a quote from Winston uh, Churchill, success consists of going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. The close, for example, of a sales transaction, people study this, all the time they come up with the same results. The close of a sales transaction typically happens after asking five to eight times, how fast do you give up after the first or second if you don't get immediate gratification, this is a major difference. The, what I call, coaching-wise, the stick if that's a word. okay You don't give up or you give in easily. And Many of you have examples of this when you look at your current pendings and, and you actually track back how many conversations you actually had, how many times you actually asked for the sale before it turned into a closing for you. Those of you who are on track or ahead this year know what I'm saying is true, Those of you who are behind may be behind because of this fact because you're giving up too quick. So major point there. Point number seven, they don't measure their success by others. Instead, they measure it based on their individual yardstick. Are they meeting or exceeding their goals? They're not in the ego hamster wheel of always having to best their competition. Refer to your treasure map. The biggest example I have of this, Tim, is when you ask an agent, you know, uh, what are your goals? And they always have a standard answer of like, you know, I got to make a million bucks or do a hundred deals or, you know, something that sounds good, but was it really thought out or is that an ego hamster wheel answer, answer, right? So in the treasure map, and we also have this in the Harris Rules book, is figuring out what your personal numbers have to be. And it walks you through a financial exercise. What do you have to earn? And then compare it to what would be super awesome for you to earn and make a huge impact in your life. And we talk about the fact that usually that's about three times what the keeping the lights on number is. It's not $50 billion that you know, you'll demotivate yourself to do by just thinking about some crazy number that isn't even relevant to what you need to do. So rich people don't measure their success by comparing to everyone else. They know what their own personal success measures are, and they don't do things like hiding out from their own finances. They actually run into that head-on and know what it's going to take. So that's kind of a massive point that we cover in the Harris Rules book. They haven't got that yet. And want to do one more point, or do you want to wrap? Well, no.
0: I, I mean, let's do one more. Well, you, you decide. You're the boss of the show. You're the show boss.
1: All right. We'll do one more uh, because this is an easy one. Uh, Number eight, they concentrate more on their own news than what's on the news. They are media free, especially in the morning. Be media free. If there is a hurricane headed for you, you're going to find out about it. (laughs) When you're standing in line at Starbucks, for example, you'll find out about important stuff. But rich people concentrate on making their own news, not watching the news because that will drag you down instantly. So that's a, a nice, short, succinct point. All right. Anything does we want to leave them with? Does,
0: does, Go ahead. I mean, does anybody honestly trust CNN? I mean, anymore? Does anybody honestly believe that CNN is just a propaganda machine? Does anyone believe that any news isn't just a propaganda machine? It is. It's just absolute and com- complete, utter crap. It's you know, so you gotta just purge if you if you like I had seriously I had during the call today, during our show today, I had someone chat me and tell me that there's another hurricane coming. Okay. I, I mean I guess that's in the news, but I'm not gonna talk about it, I'm not gonna think about it, and I'm not gonna read about it. Cause I gotta focus on basically getting the job done. I gotta focus on being of service to other people. If I allow negative stuff in my mindset, just as you guys, if you allow negative stuff in your mindset, it's gonna it's gonna not just you know, hinder. It's going to kill your potentiality because you're going to be focusing on the negative. Look, look, guys, there's a lot of books and whatnot that have been written about this. But if you allow one little negative thought in your head, look, sometimes that shit just happens. Don't worry about it. It creeps in. Who cares? But if then you start basically reinforcing that negative thought with more negative thoughts – your whole you pass an hour next thing you're finding yourself surfing the internet for more you know, negative thoughts and you're basically now essentially slowly succumbing to this loser mentality and you're stopping to doing you, you stop doing the very things that you are doing or maybe should have been doing to, to essentially you know having meaningful uh, shot at accomplishing or exceeding your goals But you've got to realize that was a choice. You made the choice by reading the news. You made the choice by, you know, opening that email. You made the choice by going to that Facebook and reading the Facebook feeds and reading all that hater crap that's out there. You made that choice. You chose to do that. And here's the bottom line why you're choosing to do that. You're not just some hapless victim. You're not just somebody who basically doesn't have control. You chose to do it because you knew subconsciously that when you started allowing that negative shit in your head that basically it was going to act as like a smothering blanket over all the things that you didn't want to have to do, all the things that were making you uncomfortable. In other words, if you all of a sudden believe that tomorrow is not going to be better than today because you're reading all this negative shit, that gives you permission not to drill down today, doesn't it? It's interesting, isn't it? And that means you don't have to do what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. That means you don't have to be uncomfortable. Dude, why am I going to go to Orange Theory Fitness and have them kick my ass <laughs> If I believe that the Martians are going to come and basically invade us and we're all going to basically be made into orange soup, you know, by the weekend. I'm not going to go. I'm going to go yeah. to the donut store, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you guys if you guys allow yourselves to slowly be seduced into the negative thinking, that is what the news does. That's what virtually all media does. When you allow that to happen, you 100% kill the drive to be exceptional. You know, that's true. Isn't that incredible, though? I'll tell you the best part of what I just told you guys, if I might be so bold as to praise myself for what I just said. I say best part because it empowers you, the word choice. You choose to read the news. You choose to listen to Coach Julie, who's been called the number one coach in America. So, you know, there you go. And you choose to listen to her. You choose not to listen to her. When she says, be media free, be media free. Completely purge yourself of all that crap. Stop reading it. Literally, just stop reading it. And if you've been addicted to that and not knowing it, here's what's going to happen. You are literally going to feel the effects of not having that stuff in your life anymore, and you're going to literally feel like you're going to you're, you're notice that you feel anxiety. Oh, my God, what's happening? I need to check my Facebook feed. I need to read the email. I need to this, the other thing, because your brain, without you knowing it, has uh, is, uh, has become – rewired to look for the little uh, dopamine that gets released every time you read some bit of news, when you check your email, when you check your Facebook feed, when you read all this salacious bullshit from the news, what's happening inside your head is it's literally having a chemical reaction of a little spink of dur- dopamine and you get this little high and you've gotten addicted to it. Hey, I'm addicted to caffeine and I'm planning on ever giving it up. (laughs) Works for me. But look, if I found that it wasn't working for me and it was hurting me because it was hurting my ability to, you know, be on mission for my life, I would stop drinking caffeine. I've stopped drinking caffeine before, no problem. But you guys get the point. This new stuff, it's subversive. It's nasty. It's manipulative. It's literally designed to get in your head and, and put you in this sort of, you know, the sleep, the slumber. You're des- it's designed to manipulate you, to, to seduce you into this sort of passive, sort of like, you know, approach to life, because it's constantly telling you negative stuff, and if it's constantly telling you negative stuff, then you believe that you can't have an impact. You believe that you have to basically just essentially go along, which means you're never really going to try to do anything that's exceptional. That's it. I don't know what the secret hand behind all of it. I don't really care. It doesn't really matter who cares. What I do know probably is the news gives you negative crap because people like to read negative crap. I think the news basically is just giving you what you asked for. I think the news and all the media is just basically feeding us this constant stream of negative crap because they track to see what stories people read, and people like the negative crap because they're addicted to it. You guys with me on this? Again, I know we're not speaking to 100,000 of you right now, but the ones that are listening are the ones that needed to hear what we just said. Guys, if there's ever anything we can do for you, I want you to feel free to email me directly, tim at timandjulieharris.com or julie at timandjulieharris.com. And look, anytime for any reason we can ever be of service to you, do not hesitate to ask for help. That's what we do. That is us being on mission. So you stay on mission as well and make sure you do not wimp out and you have a fantastic fourth quarter. It's never more important than now to be focused on essentially kicking ass for next year. We certainly appreciate any opportunities we have to um, be of service to you it is absolutely our pleasure to be coaches for so many of you. Um, if you guys want to request a free coaching call, free coaching calls for agents.com. For the rest of you who've helped to make our book number one on Amazon, number four in all of nonfiction on Kindle, which by the way is just batshit crazy, I can't believe that happened. But for all of you guys that helped to make that happen, I'm being honest. Take it. I mean, we were our publisher said yesterday. He said he sent us an email. Do you guys realize you're number 15 on Amazon and Kindle nonfiction? And we said no. And then. We got another email. Do you realize you're now number nine? This is all yesterday. No. And then it's, do you realize you're number seven? And then now we're number four. I mean, what's happening is is the book itself is starting to create its own momentum. People outside of our podcast listeners and our coaching clients, thousands and thousands of people are, are essentially, the book is resonating with them. And that's incredible, isn't it? And by the way, guys, you guys. Listeners on our podcast, you are the ones that basically seeded the book for us. You're the ones that bought thousands of books initially. You guys are the ones that basically gave us all those fantastic five-star reviews. And for that reason, we're going to do this mastermind for you. Look for the email. Do not email me directly asking for the email. Do not do that. I'm not customer service or Julie for that matter. Make sure you search your email for the email. I told you what the keywords to search for at the top of the call. We're also going to post on uh, timandjulieharris.com, the information. It's going to be in a newsletter. We're going to give you tons and tons of access to this. So please make sure you click on the link. You have to give us your information so we can get you registered. And the uh, mastermind starts this Friday. You guys have a fantastic day. We will talk to you on the show tomorrow. And remember, all of our podcast replays live at timandjulieharris.com on Stitcher and iTunes. There's a reason why. There's a reason why.